1: Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.
2: Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Trevor Noah, and this is the Daily Social Distancing Show. Before we get into it, this weekend is the Super Bowl. And a lot of you have been asking, so I'll tell you who I'm rooting for. Lionel Messi. Because that, my friends, is the real football, because they use their feet. And I'm sick and tired of America pretending that... I'm glad I could get that off my chest, and I'm glad that no one stopped me from saying it. Anyway, on tonight's show, why a little Uzi Vert is getting insurance for his forehead, Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa preview the Super Bowl, and Marjorie Taylor Greene discovers 9-11. So let's do this, people. Welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
3: From Trevor's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, this is The Daily Social Distancing Show with Trevor Noah. Ears Edition.
2: Let's kick things off with Joseph Railroad Biden, president of the United States and America's palate cleanser. He has made fighting the coronavirus pandemic his top priority. And while much of that involves improving vaccine distribution and doing more testing, Biden is also considering a creative new idea.
4: And the Biden administration is weighing in on a plan to send masks to every American. NBC News reports the Biden White House is considering sending face coverings directly to households across the country. The COVID-19 response team is currently evaluating the logistics of mailing
2: out millions of masks. Okay, this is a great idea because it helps everybody. Democrats get free masks and Republicans get free toilet paper. Nah, guys, I'm joking. I mean... You'd think that if someone hasn't worn a mask by now, I mean, this isn't going to convince them, but you never should underestimate the power of free shit. Have you ever seen the free samples that people will eat at a grocery store? Like, if they'll fight each other for a plastic spoon of liver casserole, they'll probably wear a free mask. At the same time though, it might be a little wasteful to send these masks to everyone because some of us already have a ton of masks lying around. I mean, you should see my apartment. It looks like Sub-Zero hasn't picked up his laundry, but still, It is a good idea. And based on how well the government has managed vaccine distribution so far, we can probably all expect to get our masks by the end of 2023. Yay! But until then, we still have to deal with the fallout of the pandemic. And one of the many casualties has been the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which got canceled quicker than Morgan Wallen. But yesterday, the Olympic Committee released a new safety plan to ensure that the games could go ahead this year instead. Unfortunately, those plans were quickly overshadowed by another announcement from the Olympic Committee.
4: The head of the Tokyo Olympics Organizing Committee is in some hot water this morning over some sexist comments that were made earlier this week. 83-year-old Yoshiro Mori said that women talk too much during meetings, making them run too
5: long. Mori called that annoying and added that women want to speak up when they see others speaking. The former prime minister was responding to a question about increasing
4: the number of female members of the organizing committee. Mori has since
2: apologized. Oh man, this dude is gonna wish he did resign because now he's gonna have to go back into meetings and it's gonna be hella awkward. Afternoon, Sharon. How is your department doing? I don't know, Yoshiro. Do I have enough time to tell you, you bitch? And look, man, I'm not excusing this guy's sexism, but at the same time, he is 83. I mean, put your grandparents in front of a microphone for two minutes and see how many are still allowed to host the Oscars. And look, he's not totally wrong. He's not totally wrong. Meetings can go longer when women are in them. I know, I know, but hear me out. Because every time a woman gives an idea, a man repeats the idea a minute later, so it doubles the meeting time. You're killing us, ladies. But honestly, I don't even know why this guy was having meetings to begin with. It's the Olympics. They've been doing it for 125 years. What do you need to talk about? All right, everyone. Still okay with the gold being first place? All right, great. Item two, second place. Everyone's still good with it being silver. All right, third place. But let's move on now from someone killing his career to someone killing the rap game. What do you do as a rap star to show the world that you've really made it, huh? Maybe you buy a big house or a fancy car or you splurge out on Hulu Plus. Pew, pew, no ads. Well, now one rapper is taking bling to another level.
4: Rapper Little Uzi Vert has unveiled his new forehead piercing, a nearly 11 carat pink diamond for which he paid $24 million.
6: He tweeted that he's uh, been making payments on the diamond for the past three years and assuring fans that he
2: does have insurance.
4: He said it's more than his Bugatti, other cars, house, earth and combined.
2: All my friends are dead, diamond in my head. All my friends are dead. A $24 million piercing, that my friends, is the definition of balling. I just hope his career keeps going up because there's nothing worse than having to pawn your forehead because times are tough. But until then, he's probably gonna be the most recognizable rapper in the world. So that's a plus. On the downside, now Vision can unlock his face ID. Ooh, he's gonna see all your texts. Not to mention, the problem with having a diamond in your forehead is that you can never do that thing where you pretend that you don't have any money. Sorry, man, t- times are tough. I don't. I don't have any. Oh, this? Oh this no nah, this is this is cubic zirconium this isn't what you think Now look, all hating aside, your forehead is a very secure place to keep a diamond. I mean, think about it. It would take the world's most skilled jewel thief to steal it without getting caught. Which means the game is afoot, little little There, ça vient de la rue. But let's get to today's big story. The battle over Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, rising Republican star and the friend everyone ignores in the group text. Green is known for her history of deranged beliefs, ranging from racist conspiracy theories about Jewish space lasers, to supporting calls to execute Democratic politicians. Now, Democrats can't stop her from serving in Congress, and they definitely can't stop her from saying crazy shit, but today they decided to give her just a little less input on running the country.
3: Tonight, House Democrats taking an unprecedented step, voting to strip freshman
5: Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, a member of the opposing party, of her committee assignments.
3: She's going to be removed from the House Education and Labor Committee as well as the House Budget Committee. She's going to be a member of the House of Representatives for the next two years, but she's going to be a member without being able to serve on any of these committees. Yes, people, Marjorie
2: Taylor Greene has been kicked off her committees. But if you think about it, this is a pretty sweet deal for Green. Basically her punishment for acting insane was to do less work for the same amount of money. And honestly, I think kicking her off these committees could actually backfire. The last thing you want to do with the crazy person is give them time to be crazy. That's why they should put her on all the committees. Then you'll never hear from her again. Excuse me, when are we gonna talk about those Jewish space lasers? Well, no, first we need to discuss the budget for the asphalt acquisitions. Uh, Sharon, do you have the report? I don't know, do I have time to report, bitch? Oh, come on, I didn't say that, that was your Shiro. So Democrats have made their position on Marjorie Taylor Greene clear, but Republicans are a different story. While some prominent senators have spoken out against her, House Republicans held a meeting last night where they decided to stick with her, or at the very least, look the other way. House Republicans hosted a marathon
7: meeting overnight. There's a lot of questions that have to be answered, and we've gotta be able to do that in a
4: family meeting to help bring people back together. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who
0: escaped any punishment yesterday over her very extreme views, including endorsing political violence and anti-Semitic falsehood.
4: Sources say Green was given a standing ovation from half of the members in the room after she expressed remorse for some of her past comments.
7: So I think it would be helpful if you could hear exactly what she told all of us, denouncing Qon. I don't know if I say it right, I don't even know what it is, um, any from the shootings. She said she knew nothing about lasers or all the different things that have been brought up about her.
2: Damn, Kevin McCarthy, he's a GOP OG. I didn't hear shit. Didn't see shit, and I definitely don't know shit. Shit. It's truly amazing that this guy acts like he doesn't even know what QAnon is, even after they tried to kill him. I mean, most people would have at least Googled them at that point. Like, eventually, Carol Baskin must have been like, okay, I'll bite, who is this Tiger King guy? Cause I mean, I should figure this out, right? And it's not like these guys don't have the time to research conspiracy theories. Cause when it comes to Hunter Biden, they remember every word like it's the lyrics to their favorite song. The Burisma emails decrypted from the Delaware laptop have been verified by Tony Bablinski. But then ask them about the biggest right-wing cult in the country, and they're like, uh, kunan Quahunana, man, who can keep track of this stuff? But to be fair to Kevin McCarthy, he's far from the only Republican who'd rather look like a dumbass than take a position on Marjorie Taylor Greene and her crazy beliefs although some Republicans are a little smoother at it than others.
0: Newly elected Senator Arch-Conservative from Alabama, Tommy Tuberville, tells CNN he doesn't know anything about the Congresswoman because the bad weather kept him from reading the news.
3: He's traveling. This weather's been a little rough looking at, looking at any news or whatever.
2: <laughs> really? He hasn't been looking at the news because the weather's been rough? I know it's Alabama, but Is this dude getting his news by stagecoach? It's been so stormy, the Pony Express hasn't made it out here with the latest tweets. Clearly, Marjorie Taylor Greene has become a distraction and a liability for the Republican Party, which is maybe why she decided to step up on the floor of the House today and disavow many of her past insane beliefs.
4: When I started finding misinformation, lies, things that were not true in these QAnon posts, I stopped believing it. School shootings are absolutely real. And every child that is lost, those families mourn it. I also want to tell you 9-11 absolutely happened. So that I definitely want to tell you. I do not believe
2: that it's fake. Ooh, looks like someone started listening to the reasonable voices in her head. Although this woman is so crazy that her saying that 9-11 happened makes me go, wait, did it? But hey, I'm glad that she's come around to the standard Republican belief that school shootings are real and that nothing should be done to stop them. But you may not want to give Green too much credit for disavowing these conspiracies, since it turns out she doesn't take responsibility for believing them in the first place.
4: What I did is I started looking up things on the internet and I stumbled across something, and this was at the end of 2017 called I was allowed to believe things that weren't true and I would ask questions questions about them and talk about them. And that is absolutely what I regret because if it weren't for the Facebook post and, and comments that I liked in 2018, I wouldn't be standing here today and you couldn't point a finger and accuse me of anything wrong.
2: Wow. I've never seen someone try to delete their browser history in real life. But yes, you see, it's all Facebook's fault for allowing her to believe in those things. So don't blame her, blame Mark Zuckerberg with his social media lies and his space lasers. And look man, Marjorie Taylor Greene isn't the first person to believe things that she read on the internet, but her defense isn't really reassuring because basically what she's saying is, yes, up until now, I believed that school shootings were fake, 9-11 didn't happen, and that Jewish space lasers blew up California but that's only because I'm incapable of separating fantasy from reality. So let's do the right thing, and let me go back to making laws. All right, when we come back, Roy Wood Jr. and Michael Costa break down what we can expect on Super Bowl Sunday. You don't wanna miss it.
0: Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.
2: Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. This weekend is the Super Bowl, also known as where Gronk thinks he lives. But this Super Bowl Sunday, officials are worried that a giant platter of wings isn't the only thing that's gonna be passed around. As Super Bowl weekend looms,
4: fears the game could become a super spreader event. The CDC issuing guidelines for the big game, warning against attending large gatherings, urging people to watch at home
2: with your own household. Yes, people, please listen to the CDC. That's what I'm gonna do. I came this far, I'm not gonna have an obituary with the word buccaneers in there. Yeah, if I'm going to die, it's not going to be because of a football game. I want to go peacefully in my sleep at a baseball game. So please guys, do the right thing and watch the game safely. And for a preview of the big game, let's turn now to Roy Wood Jr and Michael Costa for another episode of I apologize for talking while you were talking. What's up sports fans?
7: He's Roy Wood Jr. I'm Michael Costa and it's that time again, Roy. We are getting ready for
6: the Super Bowl. Yes, we are. Costa Super Bowl 55, where young upstart Patrick Mahomes takes on Tom Brady, who's tried to become the oldest man in history. You know Tom Brady's been playing forever, Roy, because I've had time to
7: like him winning, get sick of him winning, then get sick of myself being sick of him winning, and now I like him again.
6: I'm rooting for Mahomes, but I kind of feel bad for the dude, Costa. You know, on the one hand, if he loses, you lost to an old guy. And then on the other hand, if he wins, it's elder abuse. But either way, I'm looking forward to Super Bowl 55, Kansas City Chiefs, Tampa Bay Bucs. Let's go. My whole house is riding on this. Oh, my God. Hell yeah, Roy. I'm still coming over to watch the game, right? Oh, no, no the hell you are not, dude. You're a walking Petri dish. Ugh. A walking Petri? Why do you and the CDC keep saying that? But let's be real about this year's Super Bowl. Things are going to be a little different because of the Rona.
7: That's right, Roy. This ain't your mom's new boyfriend, Super Bowl. Coronavirus is changing every part of the game, including the stuff that plays in between the game.
5: The companies behind some of the most iconic Super Bowl ads ever announced they're staying on the sidelines this year, choosing not to run any ads for their products. Budweiser says they will donate the money that would have gone to a TV spot to COVID vaccine awareness campaigns instead. It's a tricky year to hit the tone and decide
4: are people ready for a laugh or do they want something more serious?
5: Yeah, this is a
7: travesty and I'm not just saying that because I nailed my audition to become the next Budweiser Clydesdale. I 50 pounds of hay for nothing,
6: Roy. Oh, that's what that was. I thought you looked a little horsier than usual.
7: I mean, how are you going to sit out the Super Bowl? It's the one time of the year people are actually talking about the commercials. You go to work on Monday and your co-worker's are like, what'd you think of the commercials? And
6: I'm like, I don't know, I was too drunk to remember. I don't know, Costa. It's kind of hard to do a fun commercial right now. And those somber commercials, they're the worst. The last thing I want to see on my TV on Super Bowl Sunday is the Pillsbury Doughboy talking about these unprecedented times before his belly gets finger blasted. The good thing, though, is that these bigger companies not advertising makes room for smaller companies, like, say, Yankee Candle. That's what I want to see a commercial from. Big production, fireworks, the whole nine. And, and, and have Morgan Freeman do the voiceover. Yankee Candle, the official shit smell cover-up candle of the NFL. That's what I want, bro.
7: Fingers crossed, Roy. Of course, the Super Bowl ads aren't the only way the big game will be affected. If you were hoping to get a ticket, you're even more out of luck than usual. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, get ready to dish out major money for a ticket. Big game is always pricey, but there is limited capacity this year.
4: We're talking about major, major
0: money. Right now, prices range from about $10,000 to nearly $85,000. I can't even wrap my head around this. This is the most expensive Super Bowl ticket yet.
7: $85,000 for a ticket? If I'm spending that much money, the seat better come with unlimited drinks and all-you-can-eat
6: hay. One thing I'm glad to see, the NFL is giving 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers free tickets to the game. They busted their ass for us this entire pandemic. What better way to let off a little steam than to see 100 men slam their brains together.
7: And those healthcare workers aren't the only ones getting tickets. It turns out at least one poet got the invite too.
3: She was the breakout star at the inauguration, and now inaugural poet Amanda Gorman is going to perform at the Super Bowl. She's going to perform an original poem before the game to honor three
6: heroes the NFL has named as honorary captains. A poem before the Super Bowl? I don't know, Costa. I, I, I guess. But like, when I'm trying to get hyped up for some gridiron action, the last thing I want to hear is somebody telling me about the two roads diverged in the yellow wood, and then the next thing I know, I'm crying in the queso, because I never went to dance school.
7: There's no shame in giving up on your dreams, Roy. You know, props to Amanda Gorman, though. This just shows how huge she's become since the inauguration. There's no way the NFL was like, we definitely want a poet to kick off Super Bowl. It's just a
6: matter of which one. I'm happy for Gorman, I know she'll crush it, but the NFL better not think we're gonna forget about their diversity problem though. They promised us black coaches and of the seven head coach positions that were open, only one was filled by a black guy. And I'm pretty sure they only hired him cause they thought he was Obama. Yeah, I don't know. They don't really look alike to me. Wow. Okay, Costa, so you're seriously saying that all black people don't look alike? Um, yes? <laughs> it was a test. Oh, yes! yes.
7: Uh, does that mean we can <laughs> bubble up and watch the game? I promise I'll be safe. All I have on Saturday is a dentist appointment and a forehand massage, but that's it.
6: No, not a chance. That's all for us, Trevor. Back to you.
2: What? Dude, come on. I'll bring hay.
6: <laughs> Stop with the hay. I'm really worried about you.
2: Thank you so much for that, guys. All right, when we come back, Representative Cory Bush is joining me on the show to talk about her plans for Congress and what happened on the floor just today. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. Earlier today, I spoke with Representative Cory Bush of Missouri. She's part of a new group of progressive Democrats shaking up Congress and their own party. We talked about her first month in office, her priorities for Congress, and so much more. Congresswoman Cory Bush, welcome to The Daily Social Distancing Show.
5: <laughs> Thanks for having
2: me. Um, I thank you for making the time. I mean, we literally had to wait for this interview because you were on the floor giving your remarks In I- I'm sure what many people agree was a fiery condemnation of your colleagues' inability to condemn white supremacy and also condone the actions of, in particular, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Why is this such a major issue for you? I know it's an obvious question, but I want to know why you are so fired up by what's happening in Congress right now
5: multiple reasons. One is if we don't call it out, if we just allow it, we continue with what we have right now. My activist friends and I, we stood out on the streets of Ferguson day in and day out. Rain, sleet, hail, snow, hell no, we won't go. Getting our butts kicked out there on the ground, but then also fighting to be able to be here, to be in a place where we get to make these kind of decisions to save lives and especially to save Black lives. And so you think I'm going to make it all the way to Congress and then be quiet when when white supremacy comes and knocks at the door, when white supremacy was ready to attack me and my colleagues, when it could have attacked my, my, my team? Now I will say this, it's not that she can't evolve or be reformed, and so that's why I won't shut up. Because maybe she just needs to be exposed that there is a whole other side to this thing. It's called loving humanity. And she gave a response earlier today, saying that she regrets, you know, some of the things that she said because, you know, she didn't she didn't realize that those things were, you know, may not be true. This is the thing. She called me a terrorist. She said I was the leader of a terrorist mob. She said that I called uh, I called uh, on the uh, the rape and the, the rape and the burning of a home. And, she called, and I called you know, for the murder of mm-hmm. a couple. She didn't take that back. She didn't regret that. That's the kind of stuff that's dangerous for our communities. And so
2: that has to be called out. You haven't been afraid to speak your mind about what you see that is going wrong. And you, you have had an interesting journey because you were an activist marching from Ferguson, you know? This was the pre-George Floyd, you know, before it became a nationwide movement the way people saw in 2020. It's been interesting because some people say that the activists on the streets are the reason that we're seeing the changes, and now you are in Congress. Where do you think that more progress is made? In Congress or through the activism in the streets? Should more activists be trying to get into lawmaking? Absolutely more activists should be trying to get into lawmaking,
5: but you need both. I don't think you need to have, there is is, and, you know, if you got to have both, you can't just have one. It's not either or. The reason is you need the activists that'll put pressure, that'll do the work to make sure that things are moving, that'll keep the awareness and the visibility. But then you need the person that has the pen. You need the person that has the power of the purse to be able to bring those things home. That's what we were missing when we were out there fighting for justice for Michael Brown. But now there is a representative sitting here and I'm hoping to be able to pull in more, but not just in Congress. We need them on the local levels and on the state
2: level. You are the first black woman to represent Missouri in Congress. You overcame extreme odds. I mean, you know, living an unsheltered life. You were unhomed. You're a mother of two kids, and you've shared being a survivor of sexual assault. It is a story that resonated with many, and some of your constituents have said, I like her because I believe that she will fight for me because she reminds me of me. When you're now in Congress, and you are trying to... I think enact laws that are are, are specific to your constituents in Missouri, and then there's obviously the laws that are gonna affect the entire country. How do you find that balance? What are you looking to achieve?
5: Every single moment I'm thinking about what can we do to make sure that we're doing the absolute most for everybody in our district and around the country, but starting with those who have the very least, because I've been someone who's had the very least. And I understand how we how legislation happens all around us and all above us, but then it misses us. It's so many of us. Trevor, I can remember the days when I was hungry and I, and I was I was able to feed my kids, but not myself. I remember being um, abused by um, by a, a former partner and not being able to have justice in that situation. And so, why would I not? If I'm okay with being vulnerable for my people so that they get changed, why would I not bring that to the forefront and use that to help inform? legislation and to help push my colleagues. Like, you may not know what it was like to be hungry. You may not know these things may not be your story. You may not know what it's like to have your rape kit sit on the shelf for four months and still not get justice. You may not understand that. You may not understand what it's like to make $20,000 less a year simply because you're a black woman when the person next to you is a white man doing the exact same work but getting more money than you. You may not understand it, but I'm here to tell you what that's like.
2: Do you think that many of your colleagues are out of touch? I mean, Uh, One of the stories that you shared, which was pretty insane, was you got to the Capitol and you were wearing a a Breonna Taylor mask and some of your now colleagues thought you were Breonna Taylor. I mean, that surely means that there are some people who are there just like maybe they've been there for a long time or maybe they're completely disconnected. Do you feel like many of the lawmakers are out of touch or some of them?
5: Absolutely some of them are out of touch. I won't say all, but some of them are. But that's our work. Because the thing is, we all have something to bring. We all have a skill, a gift, a talent, something to bring. And so for me, I'm going to bring this struggle that black folks and brown folks have been fighting for such a long time. I'm bringing all of this chocolate, all of this blackness, every single struggle that I've had to the forefront so that they understand what has to change? And you're going to hear it from your your own colleague. I'm not, I, I don't care about a name, a reputation or a title. I don't care if you, you know, if you look at me like, oh, I'm dirty because I came from, you know, I came from being hungry. I came from, you know, living on the street. I don't care. Give my people what we need.
2: You've been very vocal in talking about what you think Joe Biden needs to do uh, one of the issues has been commuting um, the sentences of federal inmates who are on death row. This has always been a contentious issue in America. You know, many people have said, look, we, we don't want the death penalty, we don't want death row, etc." But beyond the conversation, I agree with you. I'm, I'm, I do not support the death penalty, but I always w- would like to know, at, from a lawmaker's point of view, how do you speak to those families who have been the victim of some of these people who are on death row and say to them, hey, here's why this person shouldn't be on death row.
5: You know, i not only empathize with those families, I sympathize with those families as someone who lost a loved one, a very, very close loved one to an execution style murder. I absolutely stand with those families, but we cannot continue this cycle of violence and think that we will begin to heal this country. We have to get out of the mindset that that is a way to get justice. There are other ways to get justice. And one, some of those ways is the work that we're doing right now with legislation saying that we have to make sure that there are resources in our communities. We have to make sure that people have and communities have the things that we need to be able to be whole. And so if we won't do that work, when we, when our work, is to, um, to build this carceral system when that's our work, when we're telling our third graders that if you don't score this particular number on this particular proficiency test, that, um, that, that you may be a, have a one in three chance to end up in prison one day when we're telling that to our third graders, when that's the mindset of America, then that's the problem we have to deal with. We stand with our families and we do, but we have to change our thinking and do the real work to fix...
2: Uh, we, you, you build people, mm-hmm. to build families, to build communities. Let's talk a little bit about the COVID relief bill. $1.9 trillion. That's what Joe Biden has come out with. It is ambitious because America is in a desperate place where something ambitious needs to be done. One of the sticking points in this bill has been the $15 minimum wage. Some people have argued that fighting for a $15 minimum wage is going to cost small businesses in particular the opportunity to give people jobs. What do you say to the small business owners who are terrified of the idea of not being able to afford to pay someone? And also, how do you respond to the worker who says, hey, I get $12 now and I I still want my job. I don't wanna lose my job because it's $15.
5: You know, in our district locally, we we have had small business owners who decided to take a risk and go ahead and switch to $15 an hour. This was this um, started a few years ago.
3: Mm-hmm. And
5: they didn't know that they would be able to do it. They didn't know if they would survive. And some of them said, "Well, Corey, I was thinking maybe t- you know, in a, a year or two years that I would start to see some change that it would be rough." But what actually happened was when they started paying their their staff $15 an hour, they saw they saw an uptick. So then the productivity increased and they started making more money. They said that that was the best thing for them. And not only that, when we think about when you pay people the a living wage, because I, t- you know, I don't know if you've ever worked for, for but I've worked for five dollars and thirty five cents an hour, and after ten years, I was making nine dollars at that job. So I understand. I, I totally get it. The thing is, when we push something else that I've been pushing, which is Medicare for all, and we take away employers for having to pay that part of the health care. And then they can take that. So now they can take the money that they would have been paying into health care. And now they can use that to pay more and to, and to increase the benefits for their staff. That's how we look at it. But for our, for those, for those, um, uh, small businesses that feel that like it's going to hurt their hurt their business. Right. right. That's when you call on us. Use your lawmakers in that way. Let us put together those programs to be able to help you because, We cannot look at it like we can't do this because we don't want to. We we think what may happen because you know what? There was a day when people didn't wear seatbelts. We were just driving, and then all of a sudden somebody we we had to start to wear seatbelts, and people people pushed back. But now let's see what we can see the benefit of it. There was a day when you could smoke anywhere you wanted to smoke, and people pushed back. But now they see the benefit, so we have to you know look at change being a good thing.
2: Yeah, it really is about perception sometimes. It's more about how people perceive a thing than the thing itself. So looking at that perception, let's talk about one of the issues that's gonna be coming up, and that is the $2,000 checks that people have been waiting for and expecting. Now, there are two realities that sort of exist right now. Some people say what happened was the Democrats fought and argued that, yes... Americans should be getting a $2,000 stimulus check. The same as Donald Trump was saying at the time. Republicans said, no, it's too much money. We care about about the budget now, which was hypocritical, but fine. $600 was agreed upon. And now the Biden administration has said, $1,400 additional will be added to that, which makes up the 2,000. There are many people who are saying, no, no, no. You promised us 2,000. We want the $2,000 check. This is going to be a sticky conversation, which, as you know better than anyone, can be used in a, in a conversation about perception. So my question to you is, what do you think needs to be done and where do you stand as a lawmaker?
5: You know, I'm all for the two thousand dollars straight out, you know, not at not a six, not a six hundred and a fourteen. You know, I have been advocating along with um, several of my colleagues for two thousand dollars per month you know, that's retroactive back to when this p- pandemic started. And we want to keep it until, um, through the course of this pandemic so that people can get on their feet and start and, and have some stability and sustain. That's what this is about. So we're pushing for monthly checks and uh, that check has to be 2000
2: Obviously, a lot of your colleagues are going to say, but Corey, where does that money come from? Look,
5: if we can find money for a walk, if we can find money for so many other things. Look, we have Space Force now. Don't tell me we cannot make sure that the people in our communities ha- can eat. We're talking about people eating. We're talking about children having diapers and milk. We're talking about people being able to keep lights on, to have have heat if they need it, or, or to be able to have cool air if it's hot. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about saving lives, and there is no price to that saving lives. One, period. But then also, when we can build a wall?
2: (laughs) Congressman Cory Bush, I could talk to you forever, but I know you've got business to get to. Thank you so much for taking the time, and thank you for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much again to Representative Bush for joining us. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back after this.
1: Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.
3: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just 49 dollars Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at CedarPoint.com.
0: <clears throat> AT&T connects an O to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower.
2: Well, that's our show for tonight, but before we go, this Black History Month, please consider supporting Dreaming Out Loud. They're an organization that's increasing access to healthy food in marginalized communities and building a sustainable food system that employs and works for people of all backgrounds. If you'd like to support their cause, then all you gotta do is check out the link below. Until next week, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and remember, if you ever get in trouble, Facebook made you do it.
1: Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now.
3: Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry because this bundle won't last long. Save now at CedarPoint.com. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. (laughs)